everyone, and welcome to COVID Around the World, the podcast dedicated to connecting with Fairfield University's international partners during COVID-19. My name is Micah Martin-Parchment, and I'm here with my co-host, Naya Jones. Hi, everyone. In this episode, we will be focusing on the smiling coast of Africa, the Gambia. Today, we will be interviewing a team from Starfish International to talk about the overall containment of COVID-19. Starfish International is a girls' education program in Laman Village, the Gambia, dedicated to advancing girls' education through service to humanity. To hear a formal introduction of our guests and the Starfish organization, check out episode two, where Micah and I interview the team about the impact of COVID-19 on education. So to start, Fatouai, what are your thoughts on the Ministry of Health and the government's response to COVID-19? Definitely, there are measures that are put in place. Um, yeah, since before COVID-19 reached the Gambia, um, there has been a lot of research done on it and to see how the Gambia can be able to make sure um, it doesn't come here. And we had a chance to make sure that, um, you know, didn't happen. But for some reason, it got to the Gambia, even though it was in Senegal, that is our neighboring country, for a while before it came here. And for me personally, I think um, that is a failure on the ministry's part because as countries were, you know, crying and talking about what COVID-19 was doing in their countries, the Gambia had a chance to learn and to strictly implement strategies that would help us. But a lot of it, I think, was based on ideas and not actions. And so before we knew it, um, COVID-19 was in the country. And um, a lot of it was being, you know, was COVID-19 brought in by people that we are traveling. So via the border between the neighboring country and then um, some flights that were in, were in stopped earlier on um, before we knew it, it was already in the country. So as far as when it comes to fund, funding and management as well, we've had a little bit of issues with that. And at some point we actually, um, you know, had the Minister of Health um, came out to talk about how he's struggling with um, corruption and how other people want to just mismanage the funds that are allocated to fight COVID-19 in the Gambia. And um, our staff, as far as like, that was sad, but it was also kind of um, a little uplifting for us to know that there's someone in the ministry that is fighting for that is fighting against corruption, that is fighting to make sure that the funding that is allocated for the COVID-19, you know, um, for the fight against COVID-19 is being done. So all of those, I think, are indicators of how a lot of things, I think, are just in policies and in laws or regulations. But overall, in the Gambia, people are going about, you know, their business. And you have just a few percentage of the population that are actually adhering to the regulations that are put in place. At Starfish, um, we work socially distanced, but as well, everybody has a mask that they put on. When we have visitors come in, we orient them to know that when they come, they have to have a mask and the meetings are going to happen in a socially and um, everybody's going to be distanced and that is how we are going to be meeting. Um, but otherwise, on the streets, in the markets, um, the government will be like, okay, we want the shops to open at 10 a.m. and you know close at 1 p.m., but then it doesn't happen everywhere because they are not really um, putting the funding into the right places. And a lot of people are feeling like, okay, we're working like we're working a lot and then we are not receiving enough payment for it. And so other people are very relaxed and some people actually believe that COVID-19 is not a real thing. 
So the education about it is not even something that I think the ministry has pumped into a lot. Um, what I see are different private organizations that are making it their job to make sure people are educated because I feel like without education, um, no matter what you put in place, it is not going to happen. So that education and research that needed to happen in the first place and to make sure majority of the population and the minorities as well. Because if you just translate the, you know, the information and the message in the English language, a lot of people here are not literate. And so how would they get that information? And secondly, you know, when you put laws in place or regulations in place, I think you have to be able to follow up. You don't just stand on the TV or the radio and announce them and expect people to follow them. So that has been really challenging um, because, you know, you are there and you're exposed and you're the only one, you know, wearing a mask or in the place that is being careful and everyone else is going about their business. About a week ago or two weeks ago, we had the drivers that are the public, um, the public vehicle drivers went on strike. And for an entire day, they didn't come to, you know, work because they felt like the government was telling them to not, you know, um, fill their vehicles with people. But at the same time, you know, the transportation fee that people were paying was still little. So usually they would take about 24 passengers, but then they started taking 12 12 passengers and those 12 passengers were paying the same amount and the drivers had to buy fuel and they had to take care of their families and so they felt like that was a measure that wasn't going to work for them and at the end of the day since the government didn't get back to them and to reply or listen to their pleas the drivers decided to do what they like and that was going back to having 24 people in one passenger car and so that is how the situations have been and so if you're not careful you know, you can contract it anywhere. And I think right now, how many active cases do we have? We have, we have 24, 28 cases. Yeah, so we have 28 active cases. It's not as, you know, um, as wild as it is in other countries, but still we have, I think, an alarming number right now. Yeah, that's right. And this kind of leads in, what you just finished with leads into this next question about the cases. The Gambia currently has 63 confirmed cases and three deaths. Why do you think the Gambia uh -huh. has such low cases and fatalities? I don't know if the testing is being done right and if a lot of people are being tested. Um, but seriously, it's not like we have everybody staying in their homes and, you know, the hospitals being very careful. Like, people are still being cautious, but... Um, it's not like we have really extra measures in the country. So it's a miracle, I would say, how, you know, everybody is not falling sick. Um, and I don't think all the cases are being recorded. That's, that's my personal insight. I don't know if any of you have anything to add, but that's what I am really thinking. I don't think, you know, because we have the main hospital in the capital and then we have like, you know, 70% of the other population on the other side of the country. And how do you know how many of these people have it and how many of them don't have it? Um, so on the recorded cases, yes, we have 63. But, you know, um, I'm sad thinking about there might be more cases out there that are not being brought out. I think, I know that the Gambia is a predominantly Muslim and Islamic country. And in Islam, they usually bury someone if someone dies in the morning before the next prayer, they bury them. So there are not autopsies done regularly. There are not causes of death. So I feel like people could be dying right now from corona and we wouldn't really know because we're not doing a lot of autopsies. And some it's known that sometimes people just die. And people don't know why because there are not 
really autopsies. They just go from dying to being buried. And it's very much because this is a very hot climate. And if you have a dead body around, it will obviously stink. And it can also transmit more diseases. So it's because of cleanliness and not wanting to transmit more disease. But also we don't have the resources to do proper autopsies. We don't have the education really to do proper autopsies. And we don't have the availability of like everyone who dies for there to be autopsies done. I also feel like people have been like, we had an Eid celebration recently. And usually people go out for something called salibo, which is similar to trick-or-treating. And it, I was sort of proud when I saw this because where I'm living right now, usually there'd be hundreds and hundreds of kids going in and out of people's compounds on the street like I used to go out before. So this month I went to my grandmother's house, which is across the street, and there were like, I saw maybe 15 kids out and most people weren't even dressed up. And I talked to my grandmother and her cousins about that. And they said that only two or three kids came to their house. So I feel like people are at least trying. There is the attempt. But I feel like we don't have the resources or the funding. Because there's a lot of corruption in the system before it gets down to the people. Also, we don't have the resources medically there to be testing globally and we don't have the trained professionals like there are a few people who when corona first began in the Gambia there were certain people who came from another country and who had confirmed cases and they put them in quarantine and those people were able to escape so that risks the lives of so many people because asthma and other heart and lung related diseases are so rampant in the Gambia, four or five people might not seem like a lot, but considering how they can spread the disease, that's risking so many lives. So I feel like people need to take this a lot more seriously. And through us being able to educate others at Starfish, I feel like we higher the chances of being able to get through this. Thank you. Um, I didn't know about the deaths being buried before the next prior. That was very interesting. Thanks for sharing. In your opinion, do you think the confirmed cases and deaths are accurate? So, um, first of all, the Gambia um, is really struggling with mes- uh, with medical facilities. You know, um, just like Fatwa mentioned, they are there might be so many people that might um, that might be like affected with the with the coronavirus, and they might not even go to the hospital. They might even be staying at home. Um, they can contact the virus. They can even die from it, and people, um, people they can take into the burial ground like so quickly, or they can even get the virus and like recover from it, but then yet transfer it to other people that people um, don't even like have no idea how the thing would like the coronavirus would spread like that. The Gambia is a very community um, communal based um, society. You know, a lot of people. I still walk down in the street, and I see people um, shaking their hands, and I'm. I'm like, in my brain, I'm freaking out, you know. Um, and that is something that people just come to you and then they um, they kind of like extend their hands to to shake. And I'm like, and I give them some sort of like a fist bump. And they are like, oh. And they see me, whenever you walk down the street, <laughs> it's funny, when you walk down the street, um, kids would point at you or even like grown folks would point at you 
and calling you corona corona if you have like if you if you're actually wearing the mask so um people have actually um uh, are so carefree when it comes to like the corona so it can be spreading like wildfire there might be people dying from it that are not um, documented so um the corona cases being accurate i am not very sure about that i think there, there are a lot more cases other than the 93 confirmed cases 63, 63 confirmed cases sorry um, so I think most of the people that are confirmed have the virus are mostly that are coming into the country. So most of them are either from Senegal or from abroad. So when they come, because when you come straight, they have to take you for quarantine. So as you're there, they're going to test you, and then that's when they confirm if you have it or not. So more people are not actually um, encouraged to actually go to check if they have it or not. Actually, at some point, we were actually very scared to go to the hospital, even if they're sick, because they're like, if I go, maybe I might have, they might see that, say that I have corona. So they would rather stay at home than go to the hospital. So I think I will go with it, and I'm definitely not sure um, if people, if the confirmed cases are actually accurate, because most people don't go to the hospital, um, even if they have, even when they're sick, um, to actually go for checkups, because they're scared that they might have the virus. So, and most of the time, people don't wear them face masks. So they would rather be at home. People still go visit each other. It's still very normal to people. Uh, when they see people with masks, like, yes, they call you corona. And people, still people don't, actually, we still have people that actually don't believe that there is corona. So one of the things they will say, they will tell you, do you know anyone that have corona? And if like, okay, I don't know. They're like, okay, then some people actually say corona is gone. So it's something that is very not, um, that I'm not very sure of. Um, and I think all the people that come is because if they did not come into the country, then they will not be checked. And if not, it's because they're here. That is why they're from another country that have the virus. That is why they're being checked. And some of the time, like the last flight that came, um, most people, actually, I had bribe the police officer so they can go home instead of going for quarantine. So most of them leave to go home instead of um, going for quarantine, and that was risking the lives of the people that they're going to stay with. Um, who knows how many people are going to, if they came with the disease, who knows how many people are going to have the virus. But still, we are still having a low number, and still, I'm sure we have a lot of people that are working with the virus, but then they will not know because they're not being tested. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting, but I guess that the best thing is that Starfish has continued to educate the community about what to do, and how to protect yourselves. What do you think the Gambia should continue to do or start doing as the cases may not be accurate um, to keep cases low and to contain COVID? So I think um, one of the things, it started, but at some point people stopped doing it. Um, the stations, I think people should continue it and still encourage other people. Um, I was very glad when I see people with the hand washing stations, some of the houses, but not all people were doing it. So I think that is something we should encourage more and a lot of people to be doing the hand washing their hands a lot of the time. Um, the other thing I would say is wearing the face mask. So usually uh, in Senegal, you don't go out if you don't wear your face mask. It's very fine, very okay. Nigami people just go around with that face mask, come chat, shake hands with you or hug you. So I think definitely um it should be very strict from the government um to make sure whoever is going out because they cannot make they cannot stop people from going out. But if you are going out, please wear your face mask. It should be something like a law set up, everyone wearing their face masks, people avoiding physical contacts. Um, because we don't we know we all know that we are struggling with the resources. So if we do some of the 
uh, if we practice the measures, then we are not going to have the sickness. But if we actually don't practice them, there is a high chance that um, the case is still going to um, increase and who knows what is going to happen at the end. So I would say definitely the hand washing stations, people avoiding physical contacts, people wearing their face masks as they go out and, and the drivers as well, maintaining the numbers that we have. And if there is another way that they can help, help the drivers, especially with their finance, then we should look into it. Because a lot of um, private um, sectors have been helping to donate either with medications or funds or even with food to the government so they can help a lot of families also in the Gambia. So I think we should definitely, the government should look into emphasizing some of these things so they can help um, reduce the number of the cases. I do agree with the government relocating funds and trying to help the families, especially um, those who are local workers, the taxi drivers, and et cetera. Are the Gambian borders closed right now or and are you still in a state of emergency? Yeah, we are still in the state of emergency. Um, I think it was just extended about a week ago, yesterday. Yesterday it was extended and um, that means, you know, everybody is still supposed to operate socially distanced, have the face mask, um, the shops are not supposed to take in you know, more than two people inside based on the capacity they can hold at a certain time. And, um, but yeah, we are still with the state of emergency. And the borders, the borders um, are also closed still now. Um, I think the neighboring countries have lessened the, I mean, Senegal, which, you know, we talk, keep talking about Senegal because usually um, what they do affects the Gambia. Um, but for us still now, it is supposed to be, you know, nobody coming in, nobody going out. Um, we don't really know how effective that is because we've been seeing people in Senegal and then all of a sudden we've seen them in the Gambia. Mm-hmm. So if the borders are closed, um, how are they then sneaking into the country? So the news is that the borders are still closed. Mm. Yeah. I was just about to ask, like, how are you? cut off from Senegal, seeing that it surrounds you? How are those borders closed? Yeah, because we are surrounded on all three sides by Senegal. And, you know, some of them, especially the immigration, have their station where they're like, okay, here is the border. But people have back ways and other ways of entering the country because we are surrounded on, you know, such a huge part. So people can enter almost from all angles. And if you don't, you know, Make sure there are people there who are having, you know, the right pay and they've been motivated to do it. At the end of the day, they are going to give up. It's not being very effective. How are Starfish mentors helping with the containment and reporting um, of COVID cases? Is that something you guys are working on? Yeah, we're having a weekly radio show. And this is a um, radio platform that is open to the entire public. And every week we pick a certain topic about how we can contain the disease and how people can continue preventing themselves. Anything else I'm missing? Yeah, we also have the Facebook page, which is, which is um, you know, weekly updated as well as to where we are as an organization and what we're doing and how we can partner with other people because you can never do the job alone. So you have to look at how you can fit into the national agenda and at the same time be able to serve your immediate community. The Facebook page has been is really interesting, especially looking in from here, um, being able to read what you guys are doing and working on and how you are helping with the national agenda. So that's fantastic. Are there any plans to open up Starfish soon or what's happening on that end? 
Right now, we have just the mentors underground, and we work from Monday to Thursday on campus. And then um, for the rest of the weekend, we work online. But um, we cannot open the campus. Um, we have to wait for the government to be like, okay, it is safe for people to come back before we can take that step of telling the students to come back on campus as well. Um, so for now, we really don't know what the plans will hold. Um, we are continuing to make our plans and engaging the students, you know, in doing things and not missing out on school and, you know, to stay healthy. But as far as being on campus is concerned, we are... I'm not sure we will be back for the next month because of the way things are going. As far as the numbers are shooting up, um, we can't open the campus. And so even having the mentors come is at a risk, but we know they're educated enough and they can take the measures that are necessary to be able to travel here daily and to go back home. But for the, but for the students, um, we cannot do that. Um, I just have a question as it regards to the examination for schooling, like the achievement tests. The grade nines external yeah. exams. What are the plans for that exam? So right now we have the grade nines. Um, they have returned to school. They're going to school right now. And one of the things they do, um, they all of them have face masks. So if you go to the school, you cannot go out until when they close. So they enter and they don't have to go out until when they close from school. So they go with their face masks and they also practice social distance. So they're actually doing their exam okay. this month. Um, is in two weeks time um so they've been studying and right now we have all of them working hard yes and preparing for their exam for the next two weeks time but right now they are the only ones we have on school that are going to school right now and hopefully in two weeks time they will write into their exam yeah i just wanted to add a little bit um to that so you know the grade 12 um, external examination it's like an international based um, um examination it like there there's some other countries that um that we normally do these exams with. And like we have Ghana, we have Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Liberia, and all of those countries, their cases are increasing. They have like a thousand, they have like thousands of cases. And like um, they can't open, they can't like open their schools and bring their grade 12 students, which means we have to all, um, like the grade 12 students all have to work in sync with all of those and kind of like make plans. And if those countries are not, not ready, to let their grade 12 students go to school, then the game by definitely has to wait, even even if you have zero zero corona cases. Do you think this year's exam will reflect the students' abilities like accurately, given that we're in a pandemic? Um, so one thing that I think it's my Mary again. As I said before, it's a matter of willpower. So I feel like for starfish students, it's definitely might be easier for them because they have mentors here, but you need to know to use the opportunities that you have. And we're starfish students, absolutely, but we're still teenagers and we're still kids. So sometimes we make mistakes, sometimes we mess up. So I feel like there will be certain people who might struggle. Also, I feel like homeschooling and stuff like that without having someone right there next to you for me, it's not very difficult, and I saw how much easier it was when I visited schools. So I can't imagine, I really can't imagine going from a school environment where it's a lot easier to being this old and then going to almost a homeschooling environment, and I can't imagine how difficult that might be. 
So I feel like for people who don't have the opportunity to have these extra classes with the mentors will definitely, it will reflect in their exams. And I feel like Starfish students, I really don't know because they have the opportunity. It's just a matter of them as people. Like it's really up to them in the end because you can't force them to do anything. So I feel like with the virtues that we have, with the willpower that we have, and what we've showed in, shown in the past when it comes to service projects, setting up projects, and doing things like that, I feel like past behavior is the best reference to what future behavior will be. So considering it will just be the students who have taken initiative in the past to get done what they have to get done, I feel like that will reflect in their exams. And what the students who did not are usually not in Starfish as much. And I feel like that will also reflect in their exams. But I do not think it reflects their intelligence. I don't think exams reflect your intelligence. It only reflects how much you study. And at times it doesn't. Because of course there are corrupt, there is corruption in some schools. There is corruption in most schools. Some grades get switched with other people's. It's not a perfect system. So I feel like it will not reflect them as people. It will just reflect the situation of the country, the situation of the school system, and the situation that the students may be in. I love that you talked about willpower and initiative, especially during this time, and just how resilient and adaptable the students have to be. What is some advice you would like to give to people during this unprecedented time? Um, so a positive advice um, for me personally would be to not take anything for granted. Um, I think especially for me personally, one of the lessons I've learned during this period is that um, like when I started working in Starfish, I've always sometimes asked myself, you know, am I being on the right track of service, on the right track of, you know, making impact? And I've learned that you know, when all is gone and done, you know, we only have each other as human beings. And so right now, you know, our safeties are based on each other. I have to depend on the other person to be well as a human being. And I have to consider them so that I can keep them safe. And so, um, you know, it all boils down to being human with each other. And no matter what happened, you know, as we enforce the laws, as we follow the regulations, as we implement the consequences or you know, just work towards making sure COVID-19 is in the past. We should not forget our humanity towards each other. So, yeah, I really believe at this point, there is like so much darkness. And I like my advice is just for people to have like to practice um, the empathy virtue. Uh, because right now there are so many people struggling. You know, um, there's so many people around the world that have lost their jobs and uh, they could not even like feed their families. Um, they're like a lot of people. That are suffering so um so when you see uh or when you walk out in the street um and you see like i don't know so be be nice you know live in the moment be present um like appreciate like the um and live in the moment appreciate like the littlest things um <laughs> that uh that 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 you actually have in your life tell the people around you that you love them because um like there is no tomorrow that is guaranteed to you um, so I know right now all people uh, focus on 
is a negative part of COVID. So if you say COVID, they're like, okay, I can't do this because of COVID. Um, so I would want people to definitely look at the positive side um, to find peace, even though this is happening, like to look at some of the things they can learn from the opportunities they can grab. So I would say people to support each other, look out for each other's health and just be there for each other because it's a time that we all need, our health depends on each other and we need to be there for each other because um, if you look at it, I think it's a moment that teaches us that we are all one no matter what happens. Because if you look at it, how it's even transfers, it's because you touch each other or somebody is from someone. So all the time you get a virus from either something or from someone. So I'm hoping people can use this opportunity to show love to each other. Okay, so I my final remarks are that people should be smart. There's this joke that's been going around because I feel like everywhere around the world, people don't take this seriously enough and people are not smart about this. In the U.S. that I've seen, there have been riots and angry people about not staying indoors. Like they have been protesting about not staying indoors. So I feel like people have been saying it's natural selection and foolish stuff like that. But I sort of believe in that. Like if you make smart decisions and smart choices, you should not have to be very afraid. But for those people who are not making the right choices, who are feeling like this is a personal attack on them, the government keeping them inside and keeping them safe, I feel like you're putting yourself at risk in the end. If you go out and decide to be around people and try and transfer it to other people, you have a really high chance of getting it yourself. And I feel like anyone can get it. I feel like this virus is really teaching everyone the oneness of humanity. Like, whether you're a millionaire or whether you are struggling to have food on your table, anyone can get this virus. Anyone can die from this virus, really. So I feel like it's really teaching everyone that we're all one. And the last thing I have to say is that you should really be, as my other mentors have said, so wisely said, that we should be appreciative of our families and our friends because we don't know when someone might get it. We don't know when someone might pass away. And we also just need to know that we love each other, but we need to be smart. Thank you guys so much for talking to us. As usual, you have been an inspiration to me, and I'm pretty sure you've been an inspiration to Naya as well. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you so much, guys, for being on with us and for your insight and your passion. Thank you. Um, It's been wonderful sharing with you and hearing from you. I think, you know, these are some of the beautiful moments, you know, that um, count in our lives. So thank you for inviting us and giving us this opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of COVID Around the World.